International Baptist College is a dynamic ministry of Tri-City Baptist Church in Chandler. IBC offers three Bachelor of Arts degrees and four graduate degrees. The professors at IBC desire to teach students how to think, live, and lead from a conservative biblical worldview. Whether you are pursuing a degree or laying a biblical foundation for your life, IBC will mentor you into ministry. Please check out our website at ibconline.edu or call 1-800-IBC-4858 for more information. Cyrus, who's the king of the Persians, is now saying, I'm going to send everybody back home. But he's going to send them back home. And he says, he says that God has commissioned him to build a temple for God in Jerusalem. A pagan king building a temple for God in Jerusalem, by the way, which Isaiah prophesied almost 150 years before, prophesied him by name. I can't get into all that. I have so much to preach today. Celeste Montague. Welcome to Dare to Stand, a radio ministry of Northwest Valley Baptist Church in Glendale, Arizona, featuring the teaching of senior pastor Dr. Kevin Shaw. Dare to Stand is on the radio to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to all who will listen, to carefully teach the truth of God's Word, and to encourage a healthy lifestyle of worshiping and honoring God. For more details about Dare to Stand or the ministry of Northwest Valley Baptist Church, please visit www.daretostand.org or call the church at 623-581-3115. You can receive a free MP3 copy of today's message or the entire series in MP3 format for a small fee by contacting the church. Today we continue our study in the book of Ezra with part two of a message called Faith, Promise, and Ezra. This is a sermon within a sermon, in a way, as Dr. Shaw talks about missionaries and those who support their ministries and the exiles from Judah and their return to their home and their mission as God's people and how King Cyrus supported them. Let's listen as Dr. Shaw begins our time today by explaining how his own church sends out missionaries. Here's our teacher, Dr. Kevin Shaw. So how do we do funding for missions at Northwest Valley Baptist Church? You say, are you going to ever get to Ezra? I will. You have the card here. And let's just talk about the card. This is our plans for mission funding. It's kind of based upon some biblical principles, and we'll talk about those in a minute. Uh, it says, My Faith Promise Commitment for World Evangelism. Uh, first of all, it's a one year at a time, so this is for the next year. Our missions giving year is from November 1st to October 31st. So people make a commitment for giving for the next year. Now, you say, are we trying to gin it up? And uh, No, you, you be led by the Holy Spirit, then you tell us what the Holy Spirit wants you to do, and that helps us to plan. That's how it works. Um, the total plan giving from November 1st to October 31st is, and you give a total number. And you can do, uh, you know, whether you want to give it, however you want to give it. That part isn't so much. We just get the total for the coming year. Now, notice there's something interesting on this card. There's no place for a name. I don't want your name. 
Nobody's going to come knocking on the door. Nobody's going to come asking. You say, well, how are you going to make sure that people keep their commitments? Uh, We're going to, by faith, trust you. And I'll tell you this. I can't remember. There might have been once in our church's history where we as a congregation didn't meet the fulfill the commitment. Right now, we're far beyond what our commitment was for last year. So, and that typically is what goes on. So, we just trust you, and you give as the Holy Spirit leads, and the missionaries are going to trust us to meet their needs, and that's how we reach the world. Now, this isn't, we'll, we'll talk about some, some principles here. Um, it's, we're trusting God to meet needs. So, you say, hey, maybe I'm going to give... I don't know, I'll pull a number out of the air. $2,000 for missions for this next year. You say, wow, that's a lot of money. We, we get a lot more on that than that on cards at times. People give sacrificially for missions. Say, I'm going to do that. And uh, you say, well, maybe you'll have the money set aside and you're just going to give it right up front or maybe you're going to give it over a period of time or, or however you want to do that, you can do that. But you're committing to do that before God and you're holding yourself accountable before God. So the idea here isn't, well, I'm going to give, I want to give 50000 because I'm going to trust God to give me 50000 then I'll get it. So I'm really hoping to win the lottery or I'm hoping that, you know, uh, that's not what we're talking about, okay? We're talking about a solemn commitment to do something, trusting God to meet the rest of your needs. You say, well, they're... Um, the circ- the finance- Pastor, don't you understand that economic conditions are really uncertain right now? I understand they're really uncertain. They were, under- they were very uncertain at the beginning of COVID two years ago. And guess what? We had our biggest missions giving year, year ever. You say, what's going to happen? But people are talking about a recession and all of that. This is a faith thing. Now, faith isn't devoid of wisdom. Do you understand? It isn't craziness. There is a combination of wisdom and faith. And so... You know, you, you give a specific free will promise. By the way, the idea of a free will offering found throughout Scripture. When they're building the tabernacle, free will offering. When they're, set, they're taking, um, going to rebuild the temple under the time of Ezra, a free will offering. We come to the New Testament, and the Apostle Paul is raising money from the churches of Macedonia to take to the church at Jerusalem, free will offering. What is a free will offering? We're not telling you how much, and it's between you and God. We give some principles. Each person gives according to their ability. Don't try to give more than you're able. But if you're able to give more, why not give more? You evaluate yourself. I don't want to know how much money you have or how much income you have. You know, you, you, are, you know, that's it's trusting God to meet needs. This is personal between you and God. And you say, well, why do you take the cards then? Because that helps us to plan. We have missionaries that have needs. We're constantly meeting the needs of missionaries. We're taking on new missionaries all the time. And so that helps us to plan and it helps us to lay out the year ahead. So that's simply how it works. If you would help us with this and fill out the card, we would greatly appreciate it. So we, you say, why do it this way? Well, we've been given a specific task. Let's talk about that. Why do it this way? Three reasons. We've been given the task, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Just like William Carey said, we have this task to go to the world. We can't just wait for them to come to us. Jesus said for us to go to them, right? And so we have this process, and we have missionaries going to the world. There are specific means required. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. The Apostle Paul described this in the book of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. When a soldier goes to war, like a missionary going to the end of the world, he doesn't pay his own way. 
Imagine how well we'd do fighting battles around the world if we made, our own, made all of our soldiers buy their own guns and their own ammunition and their own armor, body armor and their own tanks. And their, it, we wouldn't get very far. They're going out. The missionaries that do go out are going out on our behalf. So there are specific means requiring. And, of course, we have a specific giving example. I'm not going to spend much time on this. But the Apostle Paul describes this in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And I'd suggest you take some time studying through that. When he was collecting an offering for the church at Jerusalem, he goes to the churches of Macedonia and he says, Would you make a commitment? And it's very interesting. In 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, they made a commitment a year ahead. Um, You see that in the passage. They gave themselves first. They gave out of the abundance of their, they gave, they gave even out of their poverty. Uh, he encourages them to keep their commitments. And so they keep their commitments. There's accountability as the money is taken from Macedonia to Jerusalem. And so it's, it's the best example of a process of giving to meet a specific need that we have in Scripture. And so that's why we use it. You say, what does this have to do with Ezra? Let's go back to Ezra chapter 2. Ezra chapter 2. You say, have you ever asked yourself the question, why do they have all these lists of strange names in the Bible? You know those big, long genealogies? Can I just tell you, I ask the question more than you because I have to preach them. Here's what I do know about the genealogies. Of all the genealogies in the Bible, the first of all of them is Adam. Of all the genealogies in the Bible, not one goes beyond Jesus. Adam to Jesus. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. The genealogies prove the right of Jesus to reign as the king of the Jews. The genealogies show the, the, the humanity of Jesus Christ. So now we come to... Ezra, and we have this list of names. And let's just talk about this list of names that we see here. Ezra gives this example. He says, who's there? Let him go. They have this task to rebuild the temple. And so they're in a situation that is very similar, a task that seems overwhelming. It's a task that is initiated by God, not man. By the way, the the work of the Great Commission is initiated by Jesus Christ, not us. We probably wouldn't have decided to do something like this. But Jesus told us to do it. And God initiated that for them in this ancient time the task of rebuilding the temple. And he did it providentially through Cyrus. So we have the Ezra example. And what is necessary for this task to be accomplished? Well, if, if you go to Jerusalem and say, you know, Cyrus says, you know, with the temple, I'm going to rebuild the temple. Nobody expected for Cyrus to say that. And suddenly, great big stones to jump on top of one another and build the temple, right? Somebody has to do the work. Who will go? Who will do the work of the ministry? And who will participate in the work by supporting the work? We'll get back to all of that in a moment. Stay tuned. You're listening to Dare to Stand with Dr. Kevin Shaw as we study the book of Ezra and bring you part two of a message titled, Faith, Promise, and Ezra. Dare to Stand is a radio outreach of Northwest Valley Baptist Church. Please visit daretostand.org for more details about Dr. Shaw's church or this radio ministry. 
Here's Dr. Shaw to talk about an addiction recovery ministry going on at his church, Northwest, called Freedom That Lasts. Hello, this is Kevin Shaw. Are you or someone you know dealing with the agony of an addiction? You cannot change what you do until you let God change who you are. Freedom That Lasts is a discipleship ministry of Northwest Valley Baptist Church that applies the life-transforming principles of the gospel and Christian growth to the problems of life-dominating sins and addictions. All of this happens in an atmosphere of love and accountability. If you would like to know more information about this important ministry, give us a call at 623-581-3115 or visit our website at daretostand.org. Go to the homepage and click the Discipleship Connections button. Thank you, Dr. Shaw. Please contact Northwest Valley Baptist Church at 623-581-3115 for more details about the addiction recovery ministry called Freedom That Lasts. And now, let's get back to Dr. Shaw as he talks more about the hard work that is required to build things and accomplish tasks. Here's Dr. Shaw. You drive through this great city, and it is an amazing city. And you'll see building after building and street after street. And what what is amazing to me is that somebody built all of that. There was was a guy out there spreading the asphalt. And there were guys laying the bricks. And there were people, you know, it, it 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 is the result of labor, and this is Phoenix, sweat. It takes work. It takes people working hard to accomplish any task worthwhile. And so you have leadership, for instance. The people are required. You have leadership. Zerubbabel, he was the civil leader. He was the guy that was sort of coordinating and heading everything up. There's Jeshua, who was the high priest, followed by a list of 18 families and clans. And you had groups of people like the priests who were the worship leaders. You had the Levites who were teachers. You had the gatekeepers. You had the people called the Nethanim. You'll see that word, the Nethanim. But that sounds a fancy word, the Nethanim. You know what Nethanims were? They were church security and the janitors and the people that did all that work that that goes on behind the scenes that is absolutely essential to make things function. They were the Nethanim. The temple had to have people like that who cleaned the floor and got rid of all the blood and carried all out the animal carcasses and um, handled the animals and scooped up after the droppings and all that stuff. Imagine what a mess the ancient temple was. It takes people. It takes all kinds of people. One of the things that God blessed me with when I was going through seminary was was a job as a church. Well, they called them a sexton back in those days, or back east. A sexton is a glorified name for a church janitor. I got to clean bathrooms and empty trash and clean up after the kids at lunch. And they were messy. And to clean up after the crazy youth activities that youth pastors sometimes do. I'll never forget when they decided to have a hay activity in the youth room on the thick, plush, kind of shag-like carpet. (laughs) And the church janitor got to crawl on his knees for five hours, picking because it wouldn't vacuum out, picking straw out of the carpet. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. 
It takes all kinds of people to make, make a church function. People are required. And we see that, and that's what this list of people is. You, you say, well, why are there names here? Why is it necessary to put their names here? Can, can I, I'll, give, I'll explain this to you. This is the ancient Near Eastern form of a team picture. Imagine with me, you know, it's football season, and football teams or or soccer teams or sports teams, they're all getting together, and they have a team picture. And you know who they put in the team picture? Everybody. The starters, the backups, the guys who hardly play, the team janitor, or, you know, the team manager, the coaches, the assistant coaches, everybody. They put everybody in that picture. That's what this is. It's that team picture. Putting everybody in the picture so you have a record of what that team did that year. And you also have a, a, you have that person who can, you know, maybe it's a championship team. Five years, ten years from now, they can pull out that team picture and you say, you know, there's that famous quarterback, but there's me. I was there too. Why? Because in this great commission work that God has given us, We need all of you to participate. And God put, now it wasn't every name, but there's our family. And for for generations afterwards, there were people that could point to that, their name in the text and say, there am I. And guess what? Someday we're going to die, all of us. And we're going to go to heaven. And when we're in heaven, we're going to be talking with people, and we'll have all eternity meet all kinds of people. And you're going to be talking to people that, that were active in different types of things throughout all the church ages, and you're going to walk up to someone and say, hey, who are you? I, well, I was, I was one of the people who came back with Ezra to build the temple. See, my name's right there. And you're going to say, I am honored to meet you. Why do you put the names there? You put the names there because people are important. And without the people, you can't do the job. People are required. (laughs) There are also tools required. Of course, you have to have the tools. What are the tools? Well, take a look at... um, You can go through this. It talks about the priests and the Nethanims and all the names and all of that. But notice what it says here in verse 66 and verse 67. Their horses were 700. By the way, look at the number of people. The whole congregation, verse 64, together was 40 and 2,303 score. 42,360. Plus their servants and their maids of whom were 7,337. So you're right at 50,000 people. And among them were 200 singing men and singing women. Isn't it interesting that music was an important part of rebuilding the temple? And then, of course, they had horses, 736 horses, their mules, 245, their camels, 430, the asses or donkeys, 6,720. So it, these are the tools that were necessary to, to haul the equipment, those big stones. Uh, they, they had all of this equipment that was necessary. Uh, by the way, they, didn't, they, they had to have building plans. They had to have copies of the ancient law to understand the, the way the temple needed to be built and how the temple should be laid out because none of them, most likely, had really worshipped in the temple before. 
So they, they, had to have, they had to have project management plans, not just plans for how the temple is going to happen, but there's a project manager, and if some of you understand what being project manager is, if you don't know what that's like, just talk to Pastor French. He can tell you all about this. this pro- because it's not just what has to be done, but what has to be done in what order and who's going to do it and making sure the people get there at the right time and get that all done. And that's, I mean, that's what a project manager does manages a plan over a course of time. And so this, this all had to be done, the tools. The, uh, by the way, they had to have the financial resources. And this, this is mentioned here. And the Bible mentions this because it's part of what is necessary to accomplish things. This, this building didn't just spring up out of the ground all by itself. Dr. Shaw will be back with some closing thoughts about doing the work of the ministry and supporting that work with what we can give and how this played out in the days of the exiles from Judah who were rebuilding their world. You're listening to Dare to Stand, a radio ministry outreach of Northwest Valley Baptist Church in Glendale, Arizona, where our teacher, Dr. Kevin Shaw, serves as senior pastor. Northwest Valley Baptist Church is located at 4030 West Yorkshire Drive in Glendale. That's just south of the 101 at 40th Avenue. Sunday worship service is at 930 a.m. Adult Bible studies and Sunday school for all ages are at 11 a.m. And Sunday evening service is at 6 p.m. Child care is provided for all services. Wednesday evening activities include prayer meetings, children's and teens programs. Northwest Valley Baptist Church also offers a quality traditional Christian education for your children, grades K through 12, at Arrowhead Christian Academy, located right on the church property at 40th Avenue and Yorkshire Drive. For more details about the church, kids' programs, this radio broadcast, or to register your kids for Arrowhead Christian Academy, please visit www.daretostand.org or call 623-581-3115. If you enjoy listening to this radio program, please consider supporting Dare to Stand Radio with a tax-deductible donation of any amount. Please visit daretostand.org and follow the link to the church website where you can also download free copies of Pastor Shaw's sermons too. Call us at Northwest and let us minister to you personally in any way we can. You can call 623-581-3115 today. And remember, you can listen to Dare to Stand on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. on this same radio station. And you are always welcome to visit Northwest Valley Baptist Church in person for Sunday morning services at 9.30 a.m. and Sunday evening teaching and discipleship at 6 p.m. I'm Celeste Montague encouraging you to tune in next time as we continue a study in the book of Ezra. Now, here's Dr. Shaw with some closing thoughts about what happened when the exiles began to collect funds to rebuild the temple of the Lord. Do join us next time for more, right here on Dare to Stand. Here's what it says in verse 69 and 70. They get, it says, and when some of the chief priests and fathers, when they came to the house, this is verse 68, When they came to the house of the Lord, sorry, I have to consciously slow down a little bit, just a second. 
when they came to the house of the Lord, which is at Jerusalem, offered freely for the house of the Lord of God to set it up in his place. Free will offering. And they gave after their ability. You give what you can. Unto the treasure of the work of the Lord, three three score and one thousand drams of gold and five thousand pounds of silver and one hundred priest's garments. So the priests and the Levites and some of the people and the singers and the porters and the Nethanims, all the, the laborers behind the scenes, dwelt in their cities and all Israel in their cities. It takes a, We've been motivated to participate in missions. This is, this is one way to do it. Can, we, can I just encourage you to participate with us? Will you participate with us in the work of missions this year. Prayerfully consider it. Prayerfully consider what God would have you to do. And we'll trust you and your walk with the Lord and to do as the Holy Spirit leads you.